something like attempting to take your own life is, it's quite a big deal. And I think that I'm still here to tell the story. And, and, and that in itself should be spoken about because if they feel shame around it, there has been research done that, that shame dies in exposure. Hey there, my name is Sean and this is Suicide Noted. On this podcast, I talk with suicide attempt survivors so that we can hear their stories. Every year around the world, millions of people try to take their own lives and we almost never talk about it. And when we do talk about it, most of us are not very good at it and that includes me. One of my goals with this podcast is to have more conversations and hopefully better conversations with suicide attempt survivors. Now we are talking about suicide. This may not be a good fit for everyone. Please take that into account before you listen. I do hope you listen because there is so much to learn. If you like this podcast, if you're learning from this podcast and you'd like to help us out, please keep doing what you're doing by listening letting people know about it. You can rate it, review it, and subscribe. All of these things help more people in more places find the podcast. Places like Bangladesh and Turkey and El Salvador and Slovakia. We have had listeners in these places, and I'm hoping more people from around the world can hear these stories of survival. Now, if you are a suicide attempt survivor and you'd like to share your story, I'd love to talk. You can email us at hello at suicidenoted.com. Today, I'm talking with Ashley. Ashley lives in Johannesburg, South Africa, and she is a suicide attempt survivor. Hi, Ashley. Hey. Hey. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm good. Good. How are you doing? I'm doing, I'm doing all right. I'm doing all right. I've told anybody I've spoken to about this podcast and then guests. I'm like, the podcast is helping me stay okay. Talking about this stuff. I don't really talk much about me. I'm happy to, but just the project, you know, hearing people keep it real. It is. It's good. It's good work that you're doing. I think, um, Thanks. I think it helps people, you know. I think it does help to hear stories, you know. I'm trying. I think it's definitely more helpful than harmful, so that's a positive, right? Right, right. right. I have, <laughs> most things I am I don't know shit about, so I'm just trying <laughs> to like ask a few good questions and shut up. Where are you, by the way, Ashley? Are you down in South Africa? Yeah, I'm in Johannesburg in South Africa. Was that is that where you're from? Yeah. So you grew up there. That's your world. That's my place. This is where I'm at. And are you an artist? I'm just kind of looking at what's behind you. Yeah, I'm a I'm a ceramic artist. So I work with clay, and um, that's what I do. I teach I teach classes. Nice. And I also um, yeah make for galleries and. And that sort of jazz. Look, sounds cool. For those, anyone listening, uh, Ashley's got some cool tattoos on her arm. I like them. Can you read what one of them says or some part of it? Really nice. Oh, well, well, one of the things that I've got, which somebody reminded me the other day, which I, I mean, it's ridiculous that I've got it tattooed on my arm and I forgot it, you know, is the <laughs> serenity prayer. Do you know the serenity prayer? Grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. And I mean, I, you know, this whole, this whole the, the shambles that the planet is in at the moment is just, it's really affecting me. I'm finding myself in, in a really, like, rough storm, stormy seas, you know. 
And I just, and somebody said to me, look at your tattoo, remind yourself of this, you know? <laughs> like that's one of the reasons you probably got it, right? So that it's a reminder. Right. right. Does that prayer help you? Sure, it really does. It mm. really does. It just helps me put things into perspective, even if it's for a moment, you know? Yeah. Like I breathe and breathe it and feel it. And even if it's just for a moment, that's cool. That one moment is, is there, you know, it's good. Yeah. It's that moment of awareness. Even if it just lasts a bit, it's something. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. 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 You know, I, you found me or, or the podcast through a post that I created, right? Right. And you, you responded and we're connecting that way. Yeah. Um, I'm trying things. There's a question here, but more of like a comment first. It's not easy to find people who have attempted to take their own life, are still here, and are willing and open to talk about it. They're out there, but there's not a ton of them. So it's an interesting project for me and sort of, Hmm. How do I reach people? Mm. And how do I get them? Not get them, because if you're not wanting to talk, you, you know, can't. Gonna, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. My goal here isn't to persuade anybody to do something. But so I'm ask. I'm 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 curious. You saw that, and you you wrote something. We connected, and and you agreed to talk. Like you're in the minority, I think. Why do you think that is? That you're okay about talking about it? I don't know because it's it's strange for me that I'm in the minority. I think that something like attempting to take your own life is, it's quite a big deal. And I think that I'm still here to tell the story and, and, and that in itself should be spoken about, you know, mm -hmm. I think that it's interesting that people don't want to talk about it because if they feel shame around it, there has been research done that that shame dies in exposure. Mm. And so if we expose ourselves in in a safe space, obviously, mm. that that we can deal with that shame, you know. So I don't know why people don't want to talk about it. I I find mm. it I find it also interesting. It's a mm -hmm. it's a very tricky thing because maybe they haven't come to terms with it. Maybe they I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. It's a question that doesn't really need an answer, but I love talking about it. Yeah. And just exploring it. You have come to terms with your attempt? So I've had two attempts. Mm -hmm. um, I had one attempt in 91. So I'm bipolar. Mm -hmm. And um, my first attempt was in 1991 when I took an overdose of painkillers. They come in tubs of, of 90 and I drank all 90 of them. And, um, and it wasn't as if I had, I was depressed and I kind of it built up to taking my own life. It was, it, there wasn't, it was just one day. I just decided this is it. I'm out of here. I'm done with this. I'm sick of this shit. Mm. And I went to the pharmacy and I, and I just did it very matter of factly, Went home, put on Pink Floyd, drank all the tablets, didn't leave it. <laughs> I mean, I was, I was. I'm laughing not at, you know, I'm not laughing at what you're sharing, but just this, it's this thing about Pink Floyd. I love Pink Floyd, so I don't, yeah. <laughs> I know. <laughs> it's funny. Um, so you're and, saying it was impulsive and I think, wow. So, and I'm not bipolar, right? So I don't know at all what that world is like. People have shared with me what it's, like as best they can. Is it impulsive or was it building and that was a particularly shitty day or maybe something related to some chemical imbalance that you just flipped the fuck out? Like what was going on then? Do you remember? Yeah, I think it was because I hadn't been diagnosed yet. Ah. So that was when my diagnosis happened after that. And I think, I think I was treading on very thin ice at that, at that point. I mean, I was moody and I was anorexic and I was just, I was a bit of a fuck up. I mean, I was in art school and I wasn't really, 
just stuff wasn't really working out in, 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 in some aspects, I suppose. And, mm. um, yeah, I just, it, it was almost like a, like a, a switch flipped, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and my housemates found me and I woke up in the hospital the next day. I had liver, liver damage and. From um, that, from that, or were you doing other things that contributed no, to liver? From, from the overdose. Yeah. Wow. And they, and you were at home and your, your roommates saw you and helped and brought you to the hospital? Yeah, yeah. Wow. How was that, the hospital and waking up after, at least for a little period of time in your life, not wanting to be alive? No, I was, I was so pissed off. At who? At, at the fact that I was still alive. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. I was, I was angry. You wanted me. out, legit. Oh, man, I was so angry that this hadn't worked and that... I was back, I was back here. It was like, I was adamant that this was, I was, I was out of here, you know? Hmm. And so, yeah, I, I had to be transferred up to Johannesburg. I was in the Cape mm-hmm. at art school and my mother was in Johannesburg. So I got transferred to the hospital in Johannesburg. And, um, and th- that's where I ended up in a psychiatric ward for four months. Was that helpful? Okay. Uh, yeah, well, I mean, it, it was it was a long ride, but mm. eventually they did electroconvulsive shock treatments to get me right because I was just so um, I was I was just so far gone. I mean, I was just I was really depressed by then. I was mm. it was almost as though the the attempted suicide failing threw me into depression, and yeah. so. Yeah, it's, it was a rocky road to to get back on track and find the right meds and. Oh, I can't imagine, because you don't try to end your life unless unless there's some. I hesitate to even complete that sentence, but things aren't going well. Yeah, and then you're compounding it with what you just said of like, "Fuck, I didn't want to be here. Now I'm here. Now I'm pissed about that." And then this, and there's meds, and there's hospitalization, and it's like. You can't yeah, was- see me because this is a podcast. My hands are going up trying to suggest. <laughs> Ashley can see me like, it's just like, you know, getting more and more and more and more. It was a, it was a pretty, it was a mess. I mean, friends would come and visit. And there was one particular friend of mine who, who would visit me in the, in the ward. And when he left, my mother, my mother bumped into him in the, in the parking lot Mm. And he was just sitting there in tears, you know, mm. because his friend was so far gone, you know. It was just like I wasn't there. It was a mm-hmm. shell, you know. So it was it was messy. It, it, but the shock treatment did. There was a, a turning point that, that, that really worked, you know. The ECT. Yeah, yeah. That did more. Some people don't. They think it's harmful. Depends, I guess, on case by case. But that was better for you than not, right, it sounds like? It, Better, better than not. But then that's the thing with all this psychiatric stuff is that it's just so individual, you know? Yeah. So you felt a little better and then you came out? Yeah. And then I came out and I, I was in intensive psychotherapy and um, obviously with a psychiatrist working very closely with them as well with my medications. And I started pottery as a therapy and then eventually did an apprenticeship. Mm. with a potter and then that just ended up being my my work yeah that's amazing now (laughs) this podcast is not about me but i would like to share a very brief anecdote about my experience with pottery okay go for it i'm waiting i i think there's something called the wheel yes of course now i'm in new york i'm from new york and I, uh, I, I'm, I have a lot of energy and I'm sort of impulsive and, you know, you know, the types probably, but I took a class nearby and I think it was that the teacher was really cute. was like the main reason, but, but I also was like, <laughs> you know, pottery looks cool. It's another thing to try. You never know. And I would say within about seven minutes, I was like punching the clay because <laughs> I couldn't get the fucking clay to do anything I wanted. 
not I, like, and people around me were also beginners and they were struggling, but you know, they were like, you, you know, the hand movements, right? Yeah. And I was just the, no patience. And um, so that didn't last long. I didn't no, no. pass a class or two. So kudos to you or anyone who can just sit through that and then make shit, nice shit from it is my point. Yeah, it, it teaches you patience big time. Crazy big, patience. Yeah. Yeah, I think you need to go back, revisit that, don't you think? I think you might be right. <laughs> so how did that help you? So that was just, I mean, it was, at first it was, it was, it was therapy. And then I, I took it on and it's, it's become, it's become my sort of mainstay. I do, mm. it, it keeps me even keeled and it's, it's, if I, if I, if I can't work, for some, for some reason I'm going through something and I'm not able to work. It's a good gauge for me that something's not quite right. Mm. Yeah. So it's a good, it's a good uh, teacher in a way. Mm. And like a tangible gauge, not, you know, like as opposed to your, our thoughts can be sort of. Absolutely. It's very tangible. Yeah. 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 And you'd said that I'm happy to not just talk about attempts. Like I want to hear the whole story, but you, you, you attempted suicide. You said in 91 and, and then, again, then it wasn't, but then, so things are going and then something else happens. So this was more recent last year. I, um, I, a whole lot of, I, st- I started having anxiety attacks Mm-hmm. And um, I ended up in a in an emergency room, and they took me through to a hospital that wasn't w- where my normal psychiatrist is. And I was in such a state that I just went with them, and I got admitted. And um, this new psychiatrist just sort of decided to take me off my medication wow. and put me on a whole lot of new medication. And I was like, okay, well, let's see where this goes, which is such a stupid thing to do. Anyway, my old, my proper psychiatrist was away anyway. So I thought, okay, let's go with this. And it ended up, long story short, it was, it, it was an absolute fuck up. Mm. <laughs> and um, I ended up getting psychosis. And tell, tell, tell me or, or whoever's listening what, what that means for you. What does that mean? You, you, you kind of you kind of lose touch with with reality, but you also end up obsessing over stuff. Mm-hmm. So obsessive thoughts would come in, just obsessing over whether or not I had done something at the studio, and then driving back there at two a.m. in the morning to check that I'd done it, and okay. you know, just stuff that's just really not in re- reality, right? So the anxiety and then and change of meds, psychosis. Mm, mm. And all, also just unable to go to the shops. Um, mm. Can't walk into the shops and not literally don't know why I'm there. I know I've got to do a shop. I've got the list, but I can't physically can't do it. It just, you just can't do it and, and end up feeling like you're going to pass out and leave. Stuff like that. Just, just really losing touch with, with reality, you know? And so I couldn't take it anymore. I was, I was, I was a mess and I, I decided that I wanted out Mm. and I, I thought, okay, I'm gonna. I live in a in a in a loft apartment, and there's a mezzanine floor. And um, I got my hair dryer, and I made a noose, and I hung myself. And um, I woke up on the floor, with the cord snapped, and a very sore back. Sure. So I don't know what happened. I lost consciousness, but the thing snapped, and and there I was, and it was like, oh fuck can't even hang myself properly you know the thought so you beat yourself up, you, you beat yourself up over doing that and yeah. not it not working as well yeah shit so, i mean crazy really crazy a couple of days went by and i 
and I was still in the state. And every time I thought about ending my life, I felt calm. Mm-hmm. So it ended up with me thinking and planning it again. And my youngest son lives with me. And I knew that he was going to his father's house for, for the night. And this was my up. This was a this was a good opportunity. I could do this. So hmm. I went off to the hardware and I bought some proper rope and um, made a noose. He had gone, and it was the longest night of my life. I, I looking back now, I just think how I realized how sick I was. I mean, I was really really hmm. sick. It was. Um, I don't know who that person was. Mm. really really um as though another person had taken over my body when i look back now and it's all brain chemicals mm-hmm. you know? yeah so i made the noose and i i got it ready and i was you know measuring it in the chair and the putting it on around my neck and then getting down and writing them i wrote notes to my to both my sons you did. And, yeah. And to mm-hmm. their dad and to my ex sister in law. So I wrote all these notes the whole night. I was, I was awake the whole night going backwards and forwards to the noose and then writing and to the noose and writing, putting it on my neck. I mean, it was, it was crazy. Mm-hmm. Ended up trying to do it. And just as I was losing consciousness, I, I, I realized. I couldn't, my son was going to find me like this. Yeah. He's the only one that has keys to the house, you know. How old is he? Yeah. He's 19. Mm-hmm. And I stopped and I just, I took it down and I, I had these burn marks all over my neck that were, I had to walk around in the summer with scarves on for like two weeks. Yeah. I ended up having to go and stay with a friend of mine for about three weeks. The doctor put me onto some heavy medication that basically knocked me out. Mm-hmm. Try and realign my brain chemicals. Yeah. And Did that help? Only until I got back onto lithium, I was okay again. Lithium has been helpful for you. Yeah. Good. Yeah. So in those 28 or whatever years they were between attempts, right? 91 yeah. to... Re- was your is it this is a tricky question um just because you didn't attempt doesn't mean your life was flowing beautifully but but was it okay were even there moments of life is good life is decent well i have and you i know you also said that you have i have suicidal ideation mhm i do big time. Mm. big time i don't know i don't know what it is i'm not quite I'm not quite okay with being here. Mm. There's parts of me that just don't want to be involved in this. It's, um, I feel like I could do without it sometimes. Mm-hmm. And often I'll be driving on the freeway and I think, I wonder what would happen if I just swerved into the other side. You know? Yeah. And yeah. over bridges and that sort of thing. So I do there's there's that goes on in my mind, and it's not that i'll it's not that I'm gonna do it, you know mm-hmm. other than other than the two attempts that i that I did right um but i do there, there's been i mean my when I got divorced i got i got it was a rough time, and my mother died and i and I thought I was gonna lose the plot, but I managed to keep it into the center for our American viewers, what does lose the plot mean? Don't you use that? Not really. But you know what? With with television being more universal now with things like Netflix, I think more people know what it means. We don't say lose the plot here. Yeah, I'll use your mind. It's such a common phrase here. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So you had said something about the eye eating. Man, sometimes it's hard for me to ask questions because I have so many things that I could ask about because it's so It's very interesting to me. Yeah. But you had said something I particularly connect to, which is it calmed you. It calmed you when you thought that's the an planning. option. 
The planning what, of it. The planning of it, right? Is that what you said? The planning of it was calming? Yeah, yeah. Uh, so much so that it was like elating. It was, mm. it was the first time that I'd feel happy about, about something. Like, okay, I can do this sort of, mm-hmm. you know. Mm. I can get through the next 24 hours because I know tomorrow night I'm going to be doing this. Yeah. That makes sense to me. Maybe not everyone, but I'm sure some people. Yeah. In that time, you at least met one person because you have a child or two children, right? Yeah. So that to me, when I hear that, I always think, and I don't want to put words in your mouth, but by all means, tell me if I'm way off. Ashley was doing something. She attracted another human being and they had a child, two children. Like something's working. Something. Yeah. 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 Like, yeah. No, listen, a lot, of, a lot of stuff works in my life. I mean, I, I'm, I'm blessed. I've got an amazing life. <laughs> like, amazing. It's like, and people do. They get, they get really surprised and horrified when, when I tell them about where I've been, you know? Like, no ways, not you, you know? Horrified like, oh. is an interesting word. Yeah, is a word. Horrified. <laughs> horrified that just doesn't come into their they can't even imagine that i would be doing something like that not you they say right yeah well then who (laughs) who do you think is doing this shit no i mean not to suggest that like ashley's the like most people who have tried that what do you think they look or act like yeah is there a box we could put them in it's so bizarre yeah, yeah. It is bizarre. It is I, bizarre. I, I'm imagining, and I have to get better at this, your responses to people like that are probably better than mine. I think you're like a child. You see the world like a seven-year-old. Now, that's unfair of me, but if you're thinking with this person who was in pain try to end their life and that you can't imagine, it's like either you're a child or I'm a dick or or we're operating in such different little worlds that i'm having a hard time connecting so i think think the the horror is coming more from a place of how much do i ask here how much do i ask about this i think it's coming from i don't think it's coming from a place of you really you would you how how would you be doing something like that it's more of a place like oh my god this woman how much can I ask her or how much is she able to speak about this? And so I, I, I always allow that space so that people can, if they want to talk, ask me questions, I'm really happy to speak to them about it because you never know. You sure never I. fucking know yeah, yeah. where they are at. Right. You know? No, you're right. And I need to get better at that. I agree with you a hundred percent. What percentage or how often when someone learns of this, do they inquire? 80 to 90. Oh, really? Fantastic. Yeah. yeah. Good. So you're creating some space for them and they'll ask a little bit about it. Are they asking questions? Because one question I ask everybody I've talked to is how do other people respond when they learn? You know, and that could be right after they learn and you're still in the hospital and a conversation talking about it from 10 years ago. How do people respond and what do they say that's helpful and maybe harmful in your experience? Mm, that's a funny question. To, I don't know about that. Mm. I mean, are people, people do, that with the, with the word horrified mm-hmm. comes to mind. It is how people respond in some way. Mm. Helpful. I don't, know how, I don't know how it would be helpful. Yeah. I think for me to be able to tell to tell them where where I was at or where I was coming from is helpful for me. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's part of my healing and it will be ongoing. Yeah. I don't think I'll ever totally heal from what I've done. <laughs> yeah. 
And it's tricky because when you when it's 28 years, and if I ask you, do you think you'll do it again? It's like, it's a tricky one, isn't it? Yeah, I can't say no. Right. Because I don't know, I've got an unreliable mind. Yeah. And the meds and other things you're doing, your work, make it decent, okay enough where you're like, I'm going to get through the day. Yeah, I'm, I'm doing it. I'm doing it. I'm, yeah. I'm doing what I have to do. I'm taking my meds. I'm meditating. I'm, you know, seeing my friends. I'm doing all that I can do on a daily basis to keep me even keeled, you know. But I never know when that next episode is going to hit. Yeah. Bipolar, bipolar's not a nice illness to live with. Mm-hmm. But it can be managed. That's the, that's the most important thing. Yeah. I was just thinking when you had shared earlier that just before you were apparently correctly diagnosed with bipolar is when you first tried. And I wonder how many people we have lost because just before they were correctly diagnosed and hopefully treated, they were gone. Too many. Yeah. Like mm. way too many. And even that have been diagnosed, but aren't on the right meds, you know? Yeah. So too often. I mean, I, I know two people that are, you know, that have done that. And it's just because their meds weren't okay and they just couldn't do it anymore. Did they die? Yeah. Both of them? Mm. But then there's that thing as well, like now I'm just feeling this and thinking sometimes I think when I do speak to people and they do kind of want to hear about it, but it's quite a depressing conversation to have, you know? I get that. It isn't for me, but I guess most people don't have podcasts about suicide. (laughs) So I'm the guy where I... Don't think that's the word I would use. I get a little, little, no, no, but you can for sure. And I think you're right. A lot of people do think this is dark. This is depressing. I think for me, it's not that it's not those things is, and I want to talk about it. They are those things and great. Give it to me. Yeah. Yeah. If you're around people that are talking about it, I don't know if this happens for you in your life. Is that hard? Or you're like, no, I want. I get that. Like, I'm down to talk about that. Yeah, I mean, I'll obviously just gauge where we, where we at. I mean, where it is and who's around and yeah, what's what's the mood and stuff. I'm not going to go start talking about my sure. attempts when you know we had a big party or something, unless we're sitting in a corner and someone wants to know about it. You know, of course, it can be bordering on on slightly morbid. You know, hundred percent. Yes, by definition, <laughs> I believe. <laughs> Literally what morbid is. What do you think is at least like, what's a myth? A myth around, and that could be suicide or specifically around attempt survivors recovery. You know, that thing of, of when the, my first attempt when I was in the hospital and my mother arrived and the doctors were there and, uh, they were discussing about sending me up to, to Johannesburg Hospital. And he said, he looked, I'm sitting right there. And he says to my mother, you know, this is just attention seeking and a cry for help. And I was like, are you fucking kidding me? Uh-huh. So for me, that is that whole thing of, of attempted suicide being a, a yes of course it's a cry for help i mean you you right. you 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 are you in a bad way right. but it's not tension seeking i don't know how to dis, i don't know how to make a disparity between the two but do you, do you know what i'm trying to say maybe i think say- i do i think i do it, sometimes i think we're limited by words right so yes of course it's a cry for help in some ways right like There might be people out there, maybe more younger people, but I don't know that 
it's so weird to me. Here's my thoughts. Now I'm going to shut up. I want to hear more about you. There's a lot of things you can do short of trying to end your life for attention. Really? Yeah. You're going to OD on 90 pills for attention? Why? Again, dude. You know, like, it's just a bizarre thing to say. The other thing, and this is sort of a bit of a tangent, is like, if, if you're talking, I, I always wonder when someone says they're looking for attention, I want to say, well, I don't know if they're looking for attention, but uh, mom, are you giving your child attention, by the way? Yeah, listen, for this sure. It may not be anything to do with it, but are you Yeah, hello. In your child's life? Are you supportive? Yeah. Listen, there's always backsides to stories, and there's oh. always, always there's something, something to be said about someone's behavior and why they're doing it. But to just put a attempted suicide down to a cry for help or attention seeking, that's that's a myth that I feel needs to be dispelled. It's like How that's bullshit. Bullshit. And you're in the hospital and he's saying it to your mom. So what is it? Are you incredulous or are you like how do you I don't know if you were super conscious at the moment? Like how are you feeling? No, I, d- I, d- I just I wasn't I wasn't very reactive to anything. I mean I was a I was a zombie, really. I wonder if like in the early 90s, which shouldn't be that long ago, but it kind of is now. Like what <laughs> happened? Like long ago. <laughs> Maybe we've gotten a little bit retreating. And when I say we, I mean, it could be anybody, but the medical community, they're, they're, they understand a little better now. Maybe, yeah. And perhaps sure. the language around it would be a little different. Yeah. I'm hoping so. Yeah. I really am. Because I was, listen, I was a 19-year-old, 20-year-old art student, and maybe the doctor had had a bad day or yep. was having problems with his whatever, you know. Sure. sure. And he's pissed off with this, this, this young girl who's, like, taken all these pills and he had to pump her stomach for hours. You know, maybe, maybe that's what it was about. I don't know. But, I, you know, I just get angry when when they say it's attention seeking you know yeah well i just for what it's worth if you're a doctor and you're getting angry at patients for pumping their stomachs you shouldn't be a doctor yeah hello but that's just sean's words not yours (laughs) you're in the wrong fucking field and you're a criminal get out of the job (laughs) go find something else to do 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 something else (laughs) you're you're not in the right line of work ever period we're done talking (laughs) but hey um that's an interesting I, i'm glad you shared that it's it's it sucks that you had to share that or that it's something that is happening but yeah i hear that with others other people too they say that it's this bullshit like when, it's, it's also when like when when i was also a cutter i used to uh-huh. cut myself and that whole thing of well she's just looking for attention and it had fuck all to do with attention it was about feeling it is that why you cut yeah and it was around the same time. It was when I was just so like, you know, I was numb to everything. So I would cut myself to try and feel something. I had nothing to, and I would cut in places that no one could see. You right. Know, I wasn't right. wanting people to see it. Clearly not attention seeking. Though very much red flags. You had a few. Red flags. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> Wow. Hmm. How often do you talk about this? I mean, I, again, I know that there aren't a lot of spaces where you would just talk about it, but does it come up sometimes in your life? Um, yeah, it does. I mean, I I have I teach pottery classes, and so sometimes stuff comes up there when people are talking about certain things or depression or people have know someone that someone's done this and something, you know, it comes across yeah. like that. Yeah. There are a lot of mental health issues fl- flying around. Hey, you think it's getting worse because of the pandemic and the lockdown stuff? Is it, I don't have any data. Uh, I imagine it's worse. I do think it's worse. I, yeah. I don't have, I also don't have data, but I do think that actually I, I read somewhere. I don't know if it's, it's true, but they said that suicide is up 200%. Which I'm is not surprised. It's, would you say it was frightening? Yeah. And sad, yeah. And I'm not surprised. We I'm don't, not 
fucking do much for people who are ill. Either way, we're failing people, right? Like we're we are failing people because when you push to that sort of extent, there's definitely a failure. Definitely a failure. And I mean, the 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 amount of children that are that are attempting suicide or and doing making 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 it work is astronomical just because of the way that they can't um, socialize, their marks, they have to get those ridiculous amounts, we go, high marks and, I mean, fucking hell, man. We're just so off on what matters. What exactly? It's weird. It's nuts. It's like we're living in a big loony bin. Right, you're at, you're almost saying like here, like come into this little thing here, and you're probably going to be miserable. And yeah, some of those people are just going to be like, "I'm out." I hear yeah. often about people taking their own lives with because they're in financial problem, you know, financial. Yeah, like situational or external, and I that's what I wonder about. Like, there's people who deal with major trauma. And they never think about ending their lives and other people do. And I wonder, is it situational or is it a little bit of, like, what do you think? But of both, maybe. I do think that we need to, I mean, my dream would be for, for governments to, instead of spending the money that they spend on arms deals and yeah. fucking war stuff and yeah. put that money into mental health issues. Sure. I mean, you know, the, it would, the world would be a better place. Half the people that are on the street have mental health issues. I would imagine. If, yeah. At least. Yeah. And they can't get help. And there's a lot of people that don't necessarily have mental health issues. However, one defining that, but once they're spending some time on the street, that shit is. It can spark at all. I, that, I can go by what I've seen in my life. I've, I've lived abroad, but the majority has been in the U.S. and New York. I'm in North Carolina now. I, I've never seen it where it's like kind of okay to be homeless and your life is pretty, pretty good. Like, nah. 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 <sighs> what did your friend, um, you, you said that your friend yeah. took his life? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. When was that? 97. Yeah, I had been living abroad. I was teaching in Japan. So I don't know some of the stuff and sort of the spiral. You know, in hindsight, I could put it together a little bit, but it came as quite a surprise, shock. Yeah. Wow. I mean, that's a conversation not only around suicide, but in part also around guns. And, you know, if you had a gun, you'd be dead probably. You had a rope and pills. They don't work as well. Oh, no, if I had a gun, I'd be dead long ago. Yeah. So guns are like this weird thing where they're really deadly. Very much so. And I, I, they're bad news. And in the U.S., they're pretty easy to get. Yeah, you can go buy, buy them at the supermarkets. <laughs> I don't know. I don't look, but yeah. I don't know. Certainly like some of the big box stores. But either way, he was a cop. I mean, cops in most places have guns. So that's sort of its own thing, you know. Yeah, that's very sad. It is sad. It's awful. What would you say to guys, to, if anything, to people who are in that kind of pain and are contemplating suicide? I don't want to, I hesitate to ask that. I will ask that. But because I don't want to assume like, oh, suicide attempt survivors or people on that path are the same. They're not. But is there, are there words that you could share with them that might? Yeah. Um, uh, the only thing I can say is to hold on. Uh. I think that's the only thing I can say. It's like, I've got another tattoo that says. <laughs> oh, we're, back to the, we're back to the tattoos. I love it. Is it a Floyd song? Here we go. It says impermanence. Mm. And it's a good one. Yeah, and it is it's a it is a good one. And I think we all need to remind ourselves of that. That things are so transient, you know. Mm-hmm. And that that time that you go through goes. It comes and it goes. Like for me, it comes and it goes. And it's and just hold on. 
Like, it might not be okay tomorrow, but maybe next week it'll be okay. Or, you know, yeah. hold on. I like that. Like, where you are right now is not where it's going to be forever. Mm-hmm. And it's not. Right. Yeah. And when you're happy and things are fantastic, it's not going to be like that either forever, you know? Yeah. But we should, we sure try to chase that shit, don't we? Hold on to it. We I want to be it. happy. I want to feel good. You know, I do yeah. it. That's why I, I have that third scotch instead of stopping. And I know I'm going to feel like <laughs> I want to feel good and I'm feeling good. I'll have some more. Nope. Don't do that. Yeah, I'm fine. Don't worry about it. Uh, how do I feel? Not so good. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm very grateful that I've done. I haven't had a drink since 2012. Well, you said the serenity prayer. I was assuming you're in a 12-step program at some point. Yeah, I was in rehab for two months. Mm-hmm. I, was, I was on um, the booze and benzos, benzodiazepines, yeah. the Valiums and those. That can be very dangerous, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. A lot of downers going on there. Unbelievable. I mean, really. Just that, that thing of numbing, escaping, that's my thing. I mean, if I had to try totally. heroin, I would be finished. Done. Finished. 100%. Done. Say that all the time. So oh, happy no. no one ever offered me heroin. Gone. <laughs> People that know me were like, dude, don't ever go near heroin. You're fucked if you go near heroin. <laughs> you're like, you're... Like some get off of it and work it out and maybe get better. Not you, Sean. No way, dude. Don't. Go near Harold. And I haven't. Because I'd be done. That's good. Well done, man. Well done. Well. But you seem here. like you seem like very upbeat. Coffee. I would think that you would like Coke. Love Coke. But I'd love heroin too. I'm I love drugs. Yeah. Yeah. I don't do see them because they're dangerous. But I just, it's so simple to me. I do something like that. And like, so for you, when you were doing like drinking and the benzos, you feel better, at least for a little bit, right? Oh, like, yeah. You feel, it's so not complicated. Why do people do that? Well, one reason is it just, they just feel better. It's just so simple. Until you're having a vodka and banana smoothie for breakfast. Right. And for Valium, just to get the day started. Right. No. I've never been close to that. So, yeah, I wouldn't pretend to know what that feels like. And I've never had anything where I was fi- really physically dependent and had a withdrawal where it's actually not about feeling good. It's about not feeling like in, in a lot of pain. Mm. And you can get that from alcohol. You can get that from yeah. Any withdrawals. Any withdrawals are not nice. Right. Yeah, but even like benzo withdrawals can be really, really brutal. And I'm sure, you know. The doctor had to actually put me on when I went into rehab. I don't remember getting, I don't remember going there. And um, he had to actually put me onto another medication to take mm-hmm. me off the benzos because he said, if I had taken you cold turkey off the benzos, you would have had a cardiac arrest. Wow. So how long have you been not doing any, not drinking or any drugs outside of your prescribed medication? 1st of January, 2012. Wow. So that's great. That's seriously like eight plus years. Yeah. No, it's good. It's good. Do you feel like ever doing it and you just don't or you don't feel like it? I I don't. I don't feel like doing it. Although during this lockdown. Hmm. I felt I felt like a drink every now and then, I do, and I'm, I'm not sure what it's about. But I go out, and I've—I um, mean, I'm an avid uh, live music person, and I—I I go out for for good good jewels, good parties, and stuff. And I don't miss miss drinking at all. And everyone knows that I'm not drinking. I'm the last person standing, still having a blast. Was that right? <laughs> I don't yeah. think I'd—I don't think I'd go back. I mean, I don't, I don't feel like I would, because I know if I, if I had a, another drink, it would be down, down a slippery slope. Yeah, there's only so many chances you get, right? Yeah. So if you're talking to people out there who hear this, they don't necessarily the ones who are in pain in terms of like, I might end my life or I have tried. There are people who 
are in some kind of position of support who might, their words or actions matter and maybe they don't know what to do or say. What would you say, if anything, to that group of people? I think it's just about being there. I don't mm-hmm. think there's anything that... There's, there's nothing... It's not like solving a problem. So you're not problem solving, mm-hmm. you know. It's just being a presence. Mm-hmm. I really find that when I'm, when I'm not doing well, it's a presence of, of my friends. It's just... It's just perfect. Mm. I don't need anything more than that, you know. So that's the only thing I would say is is just to be there and make a cup of tea for somebody and take a take some food over, you know. It's that sort of thing. Like the small things really, really count. Yeah. Because mm. when you when you're in that space, you're so full of self-loathing that you don't really look after yourself. I mean, well, I don't anyway. I end up not showering and bathing and don't eat properly and my poor son ends up having to do everything and, you know. So from that point of view, if, if, if somebody had to bring, well, if they do, bring over a meal or bring over a packet of chips or, you know, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just the fact that they're remembering or give a shit. Give a shit, just being there. Yeah. yeah. Even just a phone call, you know, and it's not about, well, have you spoken to your doctor? What is this? This and Have you done this? And yeah. have you done? Yeah. That's bullshit. Don't do that stuff, man. It's, 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 what's the word? It's, it's not, it's counterproductive. Mhm. I bet your boys are happy that you're still around. Yeah, they are. They I are. I mean, they they really are. They. And your dog. My cat. Oh, your cat. Whatever. Where? What the hell is going on in South Africa that your cats look like dogs? But I thought that Does was it a dog. Like, no. It was a, cat, a dog on the table. Well, that's just how we roll here in America. We do things. <laughs> No, it's my cats, the apple of my eye. Mm-hmm. And your boys are, uh, they're, they're part of your life? Yeah, my boys live, well, my youngest boy lives with me, Liam. And you see, I've got their names tattooed on my arm just in case I forget. Oh, nice. Luke and Liam. Okay. So Luke is down at, um, in the Cape at university. He's 23. And Liam is up here with me. Um, he's 19 and he's... He's going to start studying next year. He's just finished school last year. So he had to, he cool. had to deal with, with all of that last year with me. Luke and Liam are in school. They are on your arm. Yeah. The word impermanence is on your arm somewhere. Yeah. The word... Um, the serenity prayer. Serenity. Can you, uh, before, we, before we say goodbye to one another, would you share the serenity prayer? With our audience? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. It is? Now? Sure. Grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Mm. It's very powerful. Mm -hmm. You know, stop fighting. It's kind of like... You know, there's some things you just can't change. Good words to try to live by, I suppose. Try your best. I was actually brought up with them. My father was a big shot in Alcoholics Anonymous. Wow. So, so he, oh, yeah. um, mm. he, he had them, you know, all the time would say them and have little placards of them around the house. And, and then I took no notice of them quite clearly. None. Zero notice, clearly. I mean, I spent some of my childhood under, sleeping under chairs at AA meetings. Look where that got me. Man, if isn't that's that, not a movie. Isn't that funny? Hey? Not the first word that came to mind, but yep, it's pretty funny. <laughs> it's pretty interesting for sure. 
Um, so yeah, and you've been so kind and so um, gracious and open. I really appreciate it. It's a pleasure. It's a pleasure. Yeah. Absolute pleasure. Thank you. Of course. I hope people that hear it get something from it. Yeah, I think so. It can only help. I think so. I hope so. What's something that you're going to do today uh, that is uh, brings you a little joy? Oh, well, it's seven o'clock in the evening here. Okay. What, so maybe what you did today, if anything, if there's something. What did I do today? I, did, I went and visited my friend and sat in her very beautiful garden and watched the birds. It was fantastic. That is cool. Yeah. It was really lovely. Is there any pottery right within reach that, I, that you could show me? Well, this cup is one of my... Wow. This is the worst podcast because nobody can see it. Like, <laughs> oh my God, that's gorgeous. And they're like, dude, we can't see it. <laughs> Why are you teasing us like that? <laughs> when I get more sophisticated, yeah, I'll work something out sometimes so if people maybe they can see it. But uh... Can I take a photograph of us? Yes. Wait, let me do it. You're going to use it? I'm going to use it in my... I, I want to brush my hair. <laughs> yeah, do whatever you want. I'm cool. That was a pose. That was so inorganic. Like, it was so not natural. Wait, let me see. Is it okay? If it works for you. Oh, no, that's beautiful. You are, you're the first person who has um, done two things. You're the first person who took a photo which is cool. You're the first person who's asked me about my friend. Okay. Which I imagine people might either not know or not feel like, hey, this podcast, I'm answering the questions, not asking them. What are you going to do nice today? Oh, thank you for asking. Um, I swim most days. Oh, wow. But it's an outdoor pool because those are the ones that are open now. Um, the indoor ones aren't open, but it's been overcast. So I will go for a walk if I can't swim and do some heavy stretching. Um, maybe try to play a little piano because I'm trying to teach myself piano. Oh, wow. But it's not. It's slow. No, but that's okay. Remember it's what I did to the pottery? Remember what I did to the pottery? <laughs> so there's that. But yeah, so nothing super, super fancy, but hopefully, and you know, but I, I'd like to be able to see people a little more, but it's limiting. Yeah. Are you guys on lockdown there? Not 100%. Like, we can do things. You have to wear a mask everywhere you go. Yeah. I, mean, I don't think people are getting arrested if they don't wear their masks, but you're supposed but to wear your mask. Yeah, yeah. And some things are open, you know? Some things are open as normal and sort of just got to be careful. And other shit is closed. My gym is closed. Yeah, the gyms are all closed. Yeah. So we're all figuring, we're all trying to, but I think you're right. The people whose safety net was already low, this is making it really like, yeah. It's scraping the ground. Right. And if you were insulated with money or friends or whatever, you're okay. It's harder, but it's like anything else, right? But if you were like, super struggling for most people it it just gets worse yeah and there's lots of those people huh lots and we don't hear about them because they're in bed all day or they're homeless or you know you don't hear their stories that's why i think it's so great when you and others share your stories because there's so many we're never going to hear oh yeah yeah so cool all right. Well, I hope you stay safe and stay well, and uh, we'll connect soon, I hope. And you too, Sean. Thank you. Thanks. Have a Bye. lovely day. You too. Bye. Bye. As always, thank you so much for listening and hearing these stories and these survivors. Special thanks to Ashley. If you are a suicide attempt survivor and would like to share your story, please reach out. Hello at suicidenoted.com. 
let folks know about this podcast if you would. It really does help us out. If you'd like to rate it, review it, and subscribe, those things help us out too. Until we connect again, stay strong. Try the best you can. I'll talk to you soon.